Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ubi Est Mia, a show about Chicago by former Chicagoans. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with Ezra Furman. Ezra is a fantastic musician, originally from Evanston, Illinois, current Oakland resident. We sat down with Ezra before he had a show at the Rock and Roll Hotel in Washington, D.C., and before he was about to embark on a three-week European tour. You can catch Ezra coming up in March at Lincoln Hall in Chicago and throughout the United States. Without further ado, here's our chat with Ezra Furman. What um, was it like growing up in Evanston? I like Evanston. Evanston's a, it's a suburb. I think I was sort of growing up in the more rich part of Evanston. Evanston's kind of segregated. Mm-hmm. Uh, How is Evanston segregated? Because I, I didn't grow up in Evanston. I grew up a little bit west. It's, so It's not, I mean, I think the eastern, closer to the lake. Okay. It's just rich, like richer people and more white people. The school, I went to public high school, and that's not segregated, you know. That's that's like 60, maybe that's like two-thirds black and uh, one-quarter white and one-quarter Hispanic. Did you go to the city a lot when you were in, t- when you were in high school? Did you take the purple line a lot, or would you were just like in your yeah. little bubble? Uh, I started going to the city uh, in my teenage years, going to concerts and stuff. Any specific venue or, like, did you feel like you were part of anything when you would go? Well, I mean, what I got into was, was like, punk shows in the north suburbs. Like, okay. Like, uh, at the Wilmette uh, Yo. We called the the Yo, which is stands for youth. I actually don't remember what it stands for. Youth organization. It was, like, just a little kind of community center or something. kind of had a church basement feeling and get these really thrashy teenage bands going in there and everybody would be like moshing and then they started turning on the lights when everybody when anyone got like rowdy so they turn on the lights and everyone has to calm down and then they turn them off again they slowly build up into more of a frenzy were you ever in any of those type of bands i tried to join one when i was 14 and like i they were way up north and i like missed i it turned out i couldn't make it to the first to like the show, yeah. they, they like figured out how to get themselves a show somewhere, and I couldn't make it for some unchangeable reason. And they were like, "You're out. You're not contributing very much to this band." I was just trying to be the guitar player. I didn't sing or anything. Do you remember any of those band names? Like any of those guys? That was an interesting band name, actually, because um, that band was named by Rivers Cuomo because uh, <laughs> my friend went to a Weezer show and okay. got to talk to Rivers Cuomo after the show. And she was like, We're, I'm starting a band. What should I call my band? And Rivers, in his infinite wisdom, said, Frisba. 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 Yeah, so we were called Frisba, and we, I like rehearsed for them twice in a, somebody's garage that I don't even know anymore. The music you make... I'm assuming like 13, 12 years later now is quite different than I'm assuming the the thrashy northern suburbs you were making then. Well, I don't know. I mean, what we what were we? I know we were playing like a Pixies cover. Oh, okay. We were playing UMass. We I just heard about the Pixies. I was I was going through you know my personal cultural renaissance, mm-hmm. just waking up to the fact that. Uh, I was into like classic rock radio and I was like oh it's just not good music now it's like the Backstreet Boys and yeah. I don't care 
then discovering some punk bands and then discovering i mean the strokes was a big deal it was like this is a, a modern band that's uh you know so incredible. you were what you were in high school when those guys came out yeah i was that was sophomore year of high school i think is that when you started playing i, I had i played guitar before that i think that was just that's when i started uh listening to music contemporary Bands. It was one of the first bands that really made you feel like you could actually do this thing for a job. Or do you still even feel that way? Oh, ah, uh, I, I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for a job. This is like beyond my. I think so, but my teenage self would, would be very impressed, I think. What's the biggest difference between the reality to, to it, in the, from right now to your teenage self? Ooh, ooh. Have I changed since I was uh, 15? Well, inevitably I, you've had to have. Everyone does, right? I, I suppose so. Yeah. It's <laughs> not necessarily a bad thing. You don't want to be who you were at 15. Oh, no. That would be that would be socially unacceptable, I think. <laughs> well, how were you at 15? Uh, I was like a... I, I would say I was like something of a social outcast, not like... In a, I had no friends kind of way, but I was like a weird person who had a few friends. You know, I was, I was, I was seeing myself as a nonconformist, and then I, I like all these like hippie friends, and I was like, I'm not part of you guys. And I had these punk friends, I'm like, I'm not part of you guys either. And uh, I was also in a Jewish youth group, and I was like getting into maybe I want to be Orthodox Jewish for the first time. Um, and I was like, I, this is a part of it was just like being into all these clashing things was like important to a statement of independence from all of them. Sure. When did you want to become an Orthodox Jew? Oh, I think about that from time to time. Even now? Well, I don't think I'm ever going to be Orthodox, but I'm definitely observant. Um, Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why is that? Why is that? I got into it. Um, I mean, my family was not anything close to Orthodox, but they did send us to to conservative day school, and I was like well educated in in uh, how to be Jewish. And then I was like, you know, as were most of the people I knew, like I'm not actually going to do this. Mm-hmm. Like my bar mitzvah's done. I'm kind of glad to be out of that Jewish school, going to public school. And then I just got I got into it on my own terms. I uh, somehow somebody gave me a book of Abraham Joshua Heschel was the gateway uh, Jewish philosophy for me, and you know I got into it as an intellectual thing. And uh, I think I was also like, and to this day I'm like surrounded by things like. Uh, nihilism and consumerism and uh various forms of like hedonism that i'm i i feel a a strong urge to push back against that's very surprising from someone that just knows you as a musician or knows your music (laughs) considering that those three things that you mentioned like you're currently on tour trying to sell a product that essentially celebrates hedonism (laughs) and most of the people in your crowd are probably nihilists or a lot of them are it's so true yeah so you you, i don't know if it celebrates hedonism i would i would Hedonism to me is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Oh no! I, well, it's it's, it's not a, the everything worst in thing moderation. 
But to, sure, but I, I'm not sure if uh, if our if the product that we sell celebrates hedonism. No, but it's a, I say it's a soundtrack for a lot of people's hedonistic activities. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, I get drunk. Yeah, you know, we're we're currently recording this on Fat Tuesday, and you're about to play a rock and roll club in a city, and then fl- then go to New York to play a club, and then go to Europe to play mm. music for fun. Like that's your goal, right? Is to help people celebrate life. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. So the, and for a lot of people, probably not a lot of religious people, they, they may not consider that like the healthiest thing in the world. <laughs> it's not. It's I, not. You, sure, I'm, you're the one living it. It seems very difficult from an outsider's point of view. I cover these things, but I don't want to have your life, and I hope that's not just mean to say. Well, oh, that's. I I wish more people would not want to, you know, or like at least acknowledge some of the difficulty. Sometimes you get a lot of like, sort of like some kind of weird version of envy or like. Oh man, just like I wish I could be traveling around and doing all this fun stuff. And I'm like, you know, it's great, but I'm also like, it's very hard, and I don't get like I don't make a lot of money doing this. I think one of the things that people don't realize is um, you could do it. You don't have to have a label. You don't have to have friends. You could play uh, really bad shows forever. It is not going to mm. be fun, but you could do it. Anybody could do it. And like you, you've gone through a lot of years. Of playing to smaller venues. Yeah. You've done it, like, quote-unquote, the healthy way, the right way. The kind that, like, everyone across the board respects. You're not a flash in the pan. Hmm. You've built your crowd from the start. But you kind of had to build a crowd, I'm assuming, like, church basement at a time, small club at a time. And then you move up to the place like the Empty Bottle. And then hopefully you move up to a place like Metro, etc. Yeah. That's, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, that's that's sort of... It seems like the trajectory. Well, when you started playing shows in under your name in Chicago, what were the goals? What were the goals? Like, I mean, it's just sort of a drive to... Uh, the, the biggest thing is, like, the feeling of listening to music and getting, like, a craving. Like, wanting there to be a certain kind of music. Uh, I don't know. Around on that... Um, on the radio or on somebody's mix CD. So were you creating something that you previously had not heard or were you creating something that like you, maybe it was sort of something that influenced you and you wanted to just expose it to a bigger crowd? Um, it's, uh, it's not like I thought it was that original, but mm-hmm. I was like, but like, uh, it's just that feeling of like this has to happen. There has to be a band that does this, and it's more. It's like it's not. It's a non-rational thought because there's, especially like the band that, you know, when I first started making music, I was not like that unique. Uh, I don't think my band was that unique. I don't know. I also just wanted to be a great songwriter. That was actually. It's been the driving force that, like, I don't know, there's been this band, that band, uh, this record, that record. I get excited about all of them, but, like, the one, the goal that uh, I had since I was 14 was, like, I want to, like, write really good songs. Do you feel like you're doing that now? 
Hmm. Yeah, I do. Good. How long I did think, it take? I mean, how long? Yeah. I, I well, I think I felt like I was doing it since I was fifteen. I think I was wrong. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I might still be wrong, but I don't. You know, it's all it's all a matter of. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd still. I don't know. It's funny to ask me. It's still funny to me to think about goals because. I got I get some goals or some like oh we could do this and this logistically will help us do other things there's that whole thought process but I think this is more driven not by um goal oriented thinking but by like urges like ur- like cravings and it I would compare it to hunger to to like one, when you know exactly the kind of thing you want to eat mm-hmm. and you're like I just want that thing like I feel like that's what produces uh <laughs> so you might work. Not, you might not write a new song for a long time and then just have a burst of creativity and like all of a sudden here's 10 new songs. Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I I try to keep it up. I try to it's like it's that process actually does describe the last 3 songs I wrote. I wrote them all on the same day and there hadn't been many since that. You mentioned something that a lot of musicians don't and that's logistics. How often does that come into play when you're thinking about either your career or your music or even what city to live in? Oh, it's yeah, it's it affects everything except um, what music to play. You know, that's that's it. Uh, that's very important to uh, for me. Keep that utterly segregated. You know, it, to to be able to um, write and record with virtually no thought of how this is going to fit into my life because that's a i that's why would that be the way to make something interesting i actually it's maybe starting to get a little tricky it's still i still am able to write and i think record without any thought of where this is going to end up or if it's going to be something where did you go after high school what was as soon as you were done with high school where did you go College. Where'd you go to school? Tufts University by n- near Boston. Oh, how was that? That was quite interesting. That's why I formed uh, my band, Ezra Furman and the Harpoons. Uh, and see, uh, I always associated you with the Chicago band. I, I apologize. I well, the, I, so v- various members of that band were from Chicago, also, okay. even though it formed at Tufts. It's just there's no, there's never any good clear where are you from where did you come up playing music answer because like it it was boston and chicago and new york and where am i from i live in oakland now the band's kind of from chicago but kind of from des moines and kind of from uh somebody just moved to los angeles yeah (laughs) but that's I, i i don't think that's that common i think most bands it's like well we all live within a 10 mile radius i wish you know uh I wish we did. I'm moving back to Chicago too, so just really? to complicate things further. Why you're not loving Oakland? I am loving Oakland, actually. Um, there are a few reasons. One, a big one, being that the band is mostly in Chicago. Yeah, we've recorded everything we've recorded together uh, at Tim's studio that he built in Chicago, and like we're just—I don't know—we we we would be making a lot of. We could make things a lot faster pace, you know, if we were all in the same place. Do you wish the band would move to Oakland? Um, Oh, 
Or you don't want to say that know. and make them feel I bad. love Oakland. I yeah. mean, it's like, I, I love the Bay Area. It's, I'm drunk on it. How long um, have you been there? Four years, four and a half years. What initially drew you out? I mean, you moved when it was still relatively affordable. There was a, uh, well, that's true. It has gone up. I've been like clinging to this place in Oakland that hasn't, the rent hasn't gone up much at all. What brought me to Oakland? A certain um, somebody I was in love with and still am went there. Are they still in love with you or is that too private and I could cut that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're in love with each other. Is Are they moving to Chicago with you? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think then it's safe to say that you're still in a good place with that person. I hope. Things are, things are good. Some hesitation. I don't know. I, 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 I hesitate to drag her into these why? conversations. Oh, well, it's for personal life. And- I guess so, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure why. I don't know. It's, I've been trying to put my finger on what the, the sort of atmospheric intoxication that I get when I go to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Is it just it, because it wasn't familiar? Because you grew up in one place, so it's different. I mean, but it, it's different. You no. didn't have that in New York. No. Well, and you tour the world at this point. It's not like you haven't been around. You know, I, know, this I go to lots country. of places. Yeah. Uh, and that place it was just like here, me now, yes, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, there's like greenery, like exploding out of everybody's front yard, um, and. Just like fruit falling from the tree into your hand. Are you worried about going back to Chicago? A little bit. A little bit. What I mean, a- like, there's some... I I fear... I fear seasonal affective disorder. I fear... Uh, no, I don't know. It's. I'm actually... It's. I was just being back there this past week. Um, I was just like, this doesn't seem like my home anymore. This seems like a foreign city to me, which... Uh, is odd. It's an odd um, thing, and I, I've, I've, uh, I don't know. I've made some significant changes in my life since I've been living in California, and Chicago feels like a little bit anachronistic at the moment, just in terms of my personal life. So why not just not move back and just stay for weeks at a time? It's just not worth There's it. There's some. Well, that's what I've been doing, but um, I don't know. A couple other things have arisen that I find too compelling to sure. stay away. What neighborhood are you going to live in? When you I don't back? know. Okay. Where were you four and a half years ago? I was in Lincoln square. Uh, on That's Montrose. one of the few neighborhoods that hasn't changed that much in that span of time. It's always yeah. been pretty nice. I lived with Tim and when I moved in. He wasn't in my band and I was still in Ezra Furman and the harpoons. And he had a recording studio in the attic and eventually, I just you know had to make a record up there. What do your parents think of this? My parents are um, pretty much. It's hard to imagine them being more supportive than they are. It's incredibly. They've they've, they've they're really into it. <laughs> do <laughs> they go to shows? Excited. Yes, they do. Does that make you embarrassed at all? Um, yeah, a little bit. I I have to erase my knowledge of them being there a little bit. Because they have to become part of this other entity that is the audience. Did but we are we are playing. Uh, you're playing March twenty sixth in in Chicago. Where are you playing? Lincoln Hall. Will your parents show up at Lincoln Hall? Uh, I believe they are coming. Yeah. Are they going to be in the balcony? Like, are they going to be backstage? Do you not want to see them before? Or were you intentionally try to avoid eye contact? 
No, I'll see them before. I don't. I think I avoid eye eye contact. I'm not like belting it out, looking at my mom's eyes. There are a couple of lyrics about about my parents. I don't know. There there is this sort of like suspension of uh, there's like a willful ignorance that my parents have ever heard any of this, but they I know that they they know most of the words. What's the first venue you ever played in Chicago? Well, it depends what you count. I mean, I used to play, like, a lot of open mics. Maybe that doesn't count. No, no, let's talk about them. Because, like, when I was in high school, I would go, like, every week I'd go to open mic night at just bars and, like, watch people. Where? Um, Like, Nevins in Evanston was a big one. They had Nevins Live. Or they little. I think they tore that thing down. Did you befriend you... anyone from the Nevins open mic scene? I actually did. A certain Mitch Marlowe became my manager. He's a Chicago. Uh, he's a guitar player. He managed uh, this band, The Red Walls. You know the Red Walls. I, you know the Red Walls. Yeah. A, a Red Wall joined my joined the Harpoons. Actually, that's awesome. That's um, great. Later on. And then, what's the first like real venue you played? Uh, well, it does not exist anymore. What was it? It was down. Gunther Murphy's. It was Gunther Murphy's. Do you I know Gunther Murphy's? I, I, yeah, vaguely. I went to DePaul. I vaguely... Gunther Murphy's is the answer. I can't see you guys doing well at Gunther Murphy's. Uh, well... <laughs> I can't see most of any band doing well at Gunther Murphy's. I mean, there was like 10 people there, probably. Was it fun? Yeah. That's great. Uh, probably, I don't know. Which favorite place to play in Chicago? The whole... It's hard to choose. I like Shuba's a lot. I like the hideout a lot. Lincoln Hall was really fun. I just played there for the first time. I love. I think that's like the best sounding place to see a show. Like that's maybe my favorite venue to, to go see a show. That I found most interesting in our short chat was the the Orthodox stuff. I could I could tell you about that. I would love for you, but if I understand that a lot makes you like some people feel uncomfortable. Why, why? Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Not at all. That's exactly <laughs> the stuff I want to talk about. But the subject, you're the subject. If you feel uncomfortable, I don't oh, want to sure. make you feel uncomfortable. Well, no, I mean, I, I'm not orthodox. I I am more observant than most so that, non-orthodox Jews. Does that mean, like, you go to temple? I do when I can. Uh, I, you know, I keep Shabbat. I don't play shows on Friday nights or travel on... Friday night or Saturday day. Um, Has that come up with your manager or your tour agent? Oh yeah, I mean, I had to. Like if Pitchfork asks you to play Friday, you'll just say no. I would say, could we please play Sunday yeah. or Saturday night or Friday before a certain time so I can get home? Uh, really, I think it's so interesting. I mean, do you know of any other band that's doing this right now? There aren't many. There's that guy, Alex Clare. You know Alex Clare? I don't. I'm sorry. He's a, he he had like that hit song. It's like it feels like I am just too close to love you. I do know that song. That guy is uh, he's like Orthodox. He's like Hasidic, I think. Um, very. He's you know he's more strict on these things than I am, for sure. There's Matis Yahoo, you know. Sure. I I think he might not really consider himself Orthodox anymore. But you're a touring act. I tour. Is, I'm assuming this is where you make your rent. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So th- that's a big leaving a lot of money on the table. To not play Friday nights? I don't yeah. know. We need days off, you know? Sure. I mean, I didn't used to. I thought it would be impossible, you know, and I was going to quit. I was going to quit being a live, a, a touring musician. And um, 
at some point, you know, I I told, I had decided actually, I had firmly decided to quit music, uh, just about like right like weeks before I heard that we got like a five star review in the Guardian in mm-hmm. England, and we were getting all this radio play in the UK, and they wanted to come us to come play this festival, and then I was like, well. <laughs> Maybe I'll do one more tour and go overseas with this band. It's going to be really fun, and then that's it forever. And then, uh, you know, I kind of aired these these plans to some people, and they were like, oh, you, this might not be, like, the best time to stop because things are really getting interesting right now. And uh, why don't you just not play on Friday nights? <laughs> and, is that making things better? Oh, my God, yes. My life is so much better <laughs> it's like I, I it used to cause me such like sadness you know that I was like oh this like I have this like life that doesn't fit with the life I want and one day I'll have the life I want I'll leave all this craziness behind I sort of didn't think I could integrate these two identities of uh, rock and roll player and um, yeah religious Jew I guess I thought they were incommensurate but you know they're not <laughs> they're, you can uh, there's, there's a million ways to be a person do you have someone like a, a mentor or a coach or I, I don't know the appropriate term uh, mm. someone that you could just talk to about the intersection between the two not really I'm kind of alone on it like yeah, I, I mean I'm assuming a lot of rabbis don't understand the Torian rock and roll musician and I'm assuming a lot of rock and roll musicians don't understand the life of an orthodox Jew the rabbis I know like that sort of the people or, or people I talk to are knowledgeable about Judaism tend to think it's really cool and you know if they know what it is to if you know they know what it is to keep Shabbat observe Shabbat and uh it's like, wow, that's amazing that you can do that. And I'm kind of amazed. I'm amazed that it's worked out. But um, it's something that is more important to me than playing shows. In an ideal world, what happens to your music and what happens to you as a person? Universal acclaim and immortality. This is somewhat doable. <laughs> I am so grateful that you're willing to talk about the religious aspect because I don't think a lot of people are, and... Like I said before, I, I just think it's the most interesting thing. Oh, it, I don't know why about. they. I know it is. It is. It's kind of hard to talk about. I had to learn. It took a little. What What took so long to figure out? I mean, like, well, it's, it's soup. Like you said earlier, nihilism. Sorry to interrupt, but like, every it's it's damn near impossible to be like a musician in a band in high school and like have any sort of faith and not be just mm-hmm. like the odd man out. Yeah, it's it's. It is culturally sort of somehow doesn't fit to me like conceptually it very much does fit i i got into religion really as a an anti-authoritarian gesture like i don't i have no fear of um you know false authorities when uh, wait, wait 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 how old were you and then when you got into it is it is a rejection uh, of authority 15 that is the exact opposite of what i would have thought because usually that's when people reject it because usually if you go to a religious school that's like you're forced to hear it x amount of day x amount of times a day and by like the time you're 15 16 you're like i'm throwing this all away sure well i had a couple years like i'm throwing this all away yeah so did Um, you go to a did you go to a temple in evanston yeah um jewish reconstructionist congregation okay which is 
very lefty, you know, I guess maybe closest to reform, somewhere off to the side of reform or conservative Judaism, depending on how, you know. Uh, and then I'm assuming you had a place at Tufts when you went to school up there. I was sort of a lone wolf. I mean, there's like Hillel, I would go there sometimes, but like, I was like, this is not this thing where, I don't know, it was like a social club for people to make jokes about matzah or something. I'm like, I don't, that's not what I'm in it for. Yeah. And then what about when you were in Lincoln Square? Did you have a place there? Not really. I, I spent a lot of time in my, you know, it wasn't till you know, going to California that I was like, I need to like find my place where I like actually regularly do this. And it, I was sort of felt like a lone wolf and, you know, kind of just like, Closing the, closing some utility closet door at a rock and roll venue and praying <laughs> alone, yeah, uh, and just feeling like a total weirdo about it, and just like, you know, both in in the world of religious Jews and in the world of touring musicians, just like an anomaly. I really hope you find a place, and hopefully that'll make Chicago feel better, feel more like. I already. Home. I mean, that's. Part of the drawback to Chicago is is some things. Like, I'm, I think I'm going to get involved in this. Uh, I know this amazing lady rabbi who is like teaching this. She's starting this. She started this organization that's all about you know studying Torah and and from a queer perspective. And I'm just into it. I don't want to get become a part of it in some way. <laughs> that's so great. If you would like more information on Ezra Furman. If you want to see him live, which I recommend that you do, just go to EzraFerman.com. All tour dates are there. Special thanks to Elia Einhorn, who's been a previous guest on this show, who raved about Ezra, and without him, he might not have been on the show. So thanks to Elia for that. Our theme song, this one, and the one that was at the top of the show, is composed by Daniel Knox. He's a fantastic musician out of Chicago. Go to DanielKnox.com for more information about him. Our artwork is by Dmitry Samaroff. My name is Brandon Weatherby, and I host another show called You, Me, Them, Everybody. For more on that, go to YouMeThemEverybody.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at sign UbiEstMiaPod, and we're also on Facebook. Just type in UbiEstMia in that little search bar, and you'll find us. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful night. If you should leave.